Welcome to the Universe is Talking podcast. This is episode number 10. I am your host, King. And I'm your host, Aja. Before we begin this episode, we have an announcement to make. This is going to be the season finale of season one. This is going to be a two-part episode, however, as we close out season one for the Universe is Talking podcast. We will begin recording for season two, the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. Before we begin this episode, do you have anything you want to say? Um, well, you just saying that we're ending our season one made me feel such pride over how far we've come, um, how over a year ago it was just two friends just talking per usual and just thinking it would be a great idea to allow other people in on these thoughts and we should do a podcast and kind of not really putting a lot of thought into what we said, but it was like a great idea and just seeing that thought becoming this. And here we are completing our first season um, with subscribers growing, engagement growing. It's just been awesome, and I'm just really proud of what we've done and the people that have come along with us. I agree, and before we begin recording, I want to thank everybody for being a part of our season one, mm-hmm. everybody who has listened to even one episode or one minute of any of our episodes. We thank you. We look forward to closing the season out very strong for you, and we look forward to being bigger and better come season two. Yes. Before we start, let me go get a bottle of water because this is going to be a long one, and I know I'm going to talk my shit on this episode, all right? You are, yes. All right, I'm coming right back. Okay. So while he's getting his water, um, I just wanted to say again just like what like mirror what he said, I really do appreciate each and every one of you for being a part of this. Um and while we're away this summer we'll be coming up with brand new content and ways to kind of bring you in to our um our recordings. So just stay tuned for what we have coming next. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this episode. Today's episode will be a movie review. We are going to review the movie Acrimony, starring Taraji P. Henson. This was a Tyler Perry movie. Yeah. And wait, before you get into what you got to say, just know we know that Acrimony is not a new movie, um, but I took a really long time (laughs) to watch the movie. King said something to me. With, did it come out last year? Last year, when it yeah. When it came out, you wanted me to watch it, and I hesitated for certain personal reasons. And I kind of gave up, and I watched it, I think it was Sunday or Monday, and immediately started to text King about the movie. So we're here now because I took an entire year to watch after the movie. <laughs> but I think that it was perfect timing. Honestly, so it was. 
now we have the podcast. Mm-hmm. We're both on the same page about this movie at this point, so yeah. here we are. Yeah. All right, so the movie opens up with the opening scene. Taraji, whose character is named Melinda, is in the court. The judge is talking to her, telling her that she has to obey the restraining order that was put against her. She has to stop harassing the family, who we end up finding out is her ex-husband and his new wife. Taraji's so in this deranged state of mind at this point right away in the movie that she's not even looking at the judge or acknowledging anything that he's saying. She's looking looking directly across at the current wife and you can see in her face that she just wants to kill her right there in the courtroom if she could possibly just get her hands on her. Mm-hmm. I, I think that if she felt like she could make it across the courtroom and grab that bitch by her throat, she would have made a run for it and try to get it over with right then and there. But oh, I agree. She remained in control enough to at least not do that right then and there. Mm-hmm. And the judge told her, I'm going to send your crazy ass to, to have some professional evaluations done on you at this point because you think that I'm playing about putting your ass in jail. So this is the opening scene. Let me hear what you got for it. Well, you really don't see who she's looking at. You assume based on the background information that you know about the movie. Like you, you know, if you've watched any previews or heard anyone talk about it, um, you knew that there was a marriage that went wrong. So that opening scene, though um, you don't see across the courtroom who she's looking at, you assume that it has to be an ex-husband and someone um, else and probably likely his wife um, or someone he's involved with. So you don't see it, and I really like that that point of view remains on her because the thing that I really picked up in that um, in that segment was just the bitterness, mm-hmm. the anger, the hatred that she was displaying in that moment. I mean, it was seething from her. It was pouring out of her. Um, and I've got to say that while you mostly don't see people look that angry, there's a lot of people that have that type of anger in them. And um, this character did a really good job of really showing what it's like to be a bitter woman and really upset at the circumstances. So that was what I really took away from it. And the other thing that I was going to say is that while I'll start, I'll be talking about some of the points that you're discussing, one of the things that I can never help Um, but notice in movies is like the plot and development. And part of that is um, just like a symptom of what I do. So I'm not just a writer, but I'm also a developmental and content editor. Um, And part of what I do for a living is I look at the plot and make sure that things make sense. And there were a lot of things about the story that I had issue with. So from time to time, I'll probably be, you know, kind of interjecting with that. Okay. 
So, like you said, we have no idea exactly what's going on or how we got to this point because this is the very beginning of the movie. But we know for a fact that something is definitely going on. So now we go into the second scene, and Melinda's in therapy, judges orders. Her ass is crazy. She's been harassing these people, so she needs to get some professional help for this shit. She does. So she's talking to the therapist, and the therapist asks, how about you take me to the beginning? Where did the two of you meet? And now we begin to see the story unfold for us. So it turns out that they met in college. His dumbass bumped into her when it's, when it's raining and storming outside, very similar to how it is for us tonight. Yeah. He bumps into her. She drops all of her papers. He then comes to her dorm to apologize, and he asks her if she has any of his papers because he can't find them. And while he's standing there, he says, I tend to be in my own head when I'm working on the project. Mm. That line right there plays out for the remainder of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like many people, he's so wrapped up into this big, great idea that he has, he can't even see straight. He has one plan and one plan only. I don't think that there is a plan B for him, and I don't think there is a if this plan don't work out, then I'm going to do this. He is only focused on this one plan, and we got to keep in mind that they are in college at this point. Right. So we're talking late teens to early 20s at best, most likely. Mm-hmm. We need the listeners to keep this in mind as we review the movie and, and give our breakdown because we have to talk about when do you decide that, yeah, you're going to stick to your goal and your plan of life, but you also got to start coming up with some other shit also. True. So one of the things like that I felt like you skipped over when you talked about that meeting, that first meeting um, of them bumping into each other in the rain and um, – I understand that, like, most people don't like to be out in the rain. Some of us love the rain and what it can do, but most people don't like to be caught in the rain. And so I can understand being a little bit upset that it's happening and that you're on your way somewhere and your shit is getting wet. But her reaction to him was so drastic that that was like a sign. And one of the things that I like about us doing this review is that this story contains so many elements and topics that we've been discussing this whole entire first season. So for me, that first meeting and her reaction, her blow-up, her emotional tirade were signs of who she was. Um, And then take into account when he comes and he says the thing that you just said, that when he's basically working on something, that's all he sees, it was a sign of who he was. Um, And as you move along in the story, you continue to see who these people are and how they're ignoring or choosing to um, 
I don't know, move beyond who they really are, she was already exhibiting signs that become a concern later, right there in that very first scene. But (laughs) I even kind of ignored just how drastic her reaction was. I mean, she really freaked out. And then when he came to the dorm room, she really didn't even want to speak to him. And so it just, I mean, something about it was just strange to me, you know. Anyway. Okay. Um, now, how much of that are we going to attribute to the two of them being young? And how much of, of that are we going to say that's just who who they were and who they are? See, I think that... So in psychology, it will say you are basically who you are by the time you're like eight, like for the most part. You have your personality. Um, So I think that when we're young, even a teenager and young adult, a lot of times we are making choices and decisions using who we already are. And those decisions help to refine who refine who we are and help us to, to decide who we really want to be moving forward. But I think we know who we are, kind of. She was that person. And maybe she was young, and youth probably made her, I don't know, not have the wisdom in that moment. But you know what? I'm just going to say it. Some stuff is not about youth or age. Some stuff is just these people are nuts or, you know, they're not good people or they're not good to be in a relationship. That's not, it's not always something that you can develop. Some personality types just should probably either seek help or stay alone. Like, and that's, that's the reality. I'm not saying there's no help, but I'm saying for her, I mean, let we as we continue, you tell me, do you think it was age, like that she was just too young, or do you think that's who she was? I, we, believe, I believe they moved too fast, that's for sure. We are going to get into every single thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so now – they're studying together. And how they got to this point is he looked over her papers. He saw what she had written, what she was going to submit. And being that this is a movie, they had to speed up the story a little bit, but he was able to see what she was submitting and what she was working on in the paper. And he tells her, look, I had this, this course last year or whatever. I know how this, this professor grades and judges the work. I can help you get a passing score. So they begin studying together. She turns in her work, and as they're studying together, he, she asks him, what are you working on? And he tells her, I'm working on creating a battery that can recharge itself. Let's put that to the side for a minute. We'll keep covering that as we are talking about this movie. Okay. So she turns in her paper. She gets her, her grade back, and whatever the grade is, it is not the grade that she was expecting. It, it has to be a bad grade. It was like an F. Yeah, probably so, because it's written all over her face, and once again, she's done with him at this point. But at the same exact time, her sisters 
so we get introduced to the sisters now. Mm-hmm. Her sisters show up, and they have some tragedy to announce. The mother has passed away. Mm-hmm. So now, I, go ahead. I was just going to say from a movie standpoint, again, here I am, Miss Content Editor. <laughs> it just so happens that she just mentions to him in that moment, like, right, right, I failed right. <laughs> and my mom didn't even, you know, she was surprised that I even was going to school because I was never the smart one, nothing like my sister's. And all of a sudden, here's the sisters on campus. Boom, right there. <laughs> yeah, I just was like, they could have just done a better job there, but hey, all right, I'm listening. Movie shit. Yeah. All right, so the mother has passed away. She's hurt. She's vulnerable. And Robert, who's the guy that we've been talking about all this time, Robert is right there for her, or at least appearing to be there for her. He shows up at the repast. The sisters size his ass up right away. They know that he's not worth the time. He shouldn't even be there. They, they're on a mission to get rid of him before this shit even starts. Mm-hmm. We have to assume that they also know their sister. So maybe part of their thinking is also, although this nigga don't know any better, we gonna run his ass away because Melinda's gonna kill his ass if he fucks up. Whatever the case. But hold on, they were trying to get her to be with that other guy, the guy that you eventually see later. So obviously they're not trying to keep her from having a boyfriend because, you know what I mean, the old childhood friend or the the old sweetheart or whatever. He came to the funeral and they tried to get the two of them together. And mm-hmm. he was feeling all uncomfortable and was going to leave. And then she said, you know, no, everything's cool. So I don't know. I don't know if that the latter is, is the case when it comes to what the sisters were really about. Sorry One way or the other. They, no, no, you didn't interrupt. One way or the other, they sized Robert's ass up. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Robert's, like you said, now they done made Robert uncomfortable, so he's He's ready to walk, catch the bus, do whatever he got to do to get back to where he stay. Mm-hmm. Melinda catch him before he leaves, and she offers to give him a ride back to wherever it is that he stays. He accepts the ride, and she sees that he lives in a trailer. That's cool. I assume a trailer ain't never stopped nobody from getting no pussy. No. So he proceeds. She, she comes inside. He puts on some Nina Simone for her. He sets the vibes, and right then and there, this is the same day as the mother's funeral repast, he takes her virginity. Yeah, I do not like that. That's some scumbag shit. Yeah. Yeah, She was very vulnerable in that moment and had been um, for, you know, whatever the period of time that passed between – um, the notification that her mom had died and the funeral. And at the very least, what he could have done is just held her. You know, that right, way right. she didn't have to make any major decision, but she was comforted by him. But that's not what happened, you know. So she was wide open at that point. Absolutely. And how could she not be? 
Right. He appears to be there for her when her mother has passed. On top of that, he's also the first man, boy, male, whatever you want to call him, that she's had any sexual interactions with. So, hell, yeah, she's all the way wide open for him. Mm-hmm. So she she leaves from him, and now she's alone playing Nina Simone in her own space. <laughs> and the sisters know this, this shit don't look right. So, something isn't right about this shit. Yeah. So we fast forward just a little bit, and they ask her, you've been going out with him a lot. Who's paying for all these dates? Mm. And I guess they figure he don't look like nobody that got any type of money. Mm-hmm. As far as we can see, he looks like a broke ass to us. So where where's the money coming from? And right then and there, they warn her, don't tell him about the money that you're going to get from mama's passing. Yep. But like you said, she's wide open, and what does she do? She tells she him tells about him. the money. Mm-hmm. And now this is when you text me, and you are ready to go off right now. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> if you remember, what did you say when you saw this part? Uh, oh, oh, fuck that. Was it, was it that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that. But, but you also said he's chipping into the money. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. He's going to start chipping away. Right. Mm-hmm. So the reason that we are reviewing this movie in the, in the first place is because art imitates life. Yeah. There are a lot of people in this world, men and women, who use people for their money. Mm-hmm. And we have this on full display in this movie. Mm-hmm. Once Robert found out that Melinda got that money, that life insurance money, from her mother's passing, he immediately starts digging into that pot that she has. And let me just say, I think a lot of times when you're with someone who has money or you know someone who has money or has come into some money, it's not like it's an automatic, I'm going to use this person. What happens is all your problems now seem to have a um, solution, you know, because you now have someone that could potentially cure what ails you and not really thinking, okay, you've been surviving without this person and should have been making better choices for yourself up until this point or need to be thinking of a plan or maybe making different decisions for your life so that you're not here. No, you just see this person, here they are. It's like it's an opportunity now to take care of problems. And I really, when I saw him, it wasn't that I thought he was like, oh, she's the bank. Not like that. It was more like, oh, okay, so I haven't, I've had this, this issue. Now I can ask her for help. And there are a lot of people who feel like they have a right to what you have just by association. You know, like, you're going to let me struggle when I know you have all this money. Like, how can you let me struggle? You know, mm-hmm. that's not I, true I, friendship I only, or that's not true. Yeah, like, that's I not a got true $2. relationship. <laughs> and you can't have none of these $2 that I got. Right. And if you're not careful, you will – 
consistently be the bank because every time they have a problem, because those people will always have a problem. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because the reason they're where they are is because they aren't making good choices with their money. I'm not saying the circumstances don't arise that even the most um, financially stable person will find themselves not being. I'm saying the person who is constantly asking for money is always going to be constantly asking for money because they haven't learned that, okay, well, maybe I need to cut some things out of my life so that I'm not in this position, or maybe I shouldn't be in school right now because I cannot afford the tuition. Like, whatever the case may be, they haven't figured out how to be independent of asking people for for help. And that was what bothered me was that he just looked at her like a savior. And what bothered me even more was her self-esteem or – I don't know what it is, what 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 it was about her, but she didn't have enough sense or strength to cut him off. Say, okay, you know, this is it. And I know you haven't gotten into all the shit that she eventually does for him, but it's just gonna piss me off. You go ahead, but just know that I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be pissed off because you know how I get about people spending my money. So I'm right. Like, now, before we go further into the movie, you talked about people not realizing that they need to cut some shit down in their life so that way they can create some available funds for those times in their life when they need some extra money. Or get a damn job. Right. But a lot of times these people do have a job mm-hmm. and it's still not working out for them. True. Some, uh, an adjustment that both you and I have made in our lives Mm-hmm. We changed our our programming that we subscribe to for our our household, our cable subscription or our mm-hmm. satellite subscription. We mm-hmm. both downgraded that package mm-hmm. in order to create more funds for whatever else it is that we want to do. Exactly. I'm sure that we both know a whole lot of people that have the absolute top package <laughs> with all of the movie channels included. Mm-hmm. But they're not watching nowhere near all of those channels. I was one of those people. I was also. And I, I really, like, when I look back, I'm like, why did I do that? I'm not even home that much. Or even now that I'm, I spend more time at home, I don't watch TV. My TV does not <laughs> come on in the morning. It doesn't even come on until when the children are done with homework or me and the hubby want to watch something, like the whole day will go before I get to see TV unless I take a day off. It's amazing to me that I spent all that time paying for something I didn't use, hundreds of dollars that I could have been saving and and earning interest on. That just ticks me off now. Thanks a lot. (laughs) No, but we had (laughs) – It it went into what we were saying about Mm – not having your affairs in order to be able to take care of your own shit yeah. when those situations occur. Yeah. All right, so we talked about him chipping into the money, and the first thing that he does, and, and just to paint this picture all the way, she starts out with $350,000. That's what Melinda starts out with. Mm-hmm. He, he chips into that, and right away he gets her to buy him a car. 
$25,000. Right, $25,000. Now, a brand new car. He didn't come right out and say, you should buy me a car. He didn't huh. ask her to buy him the car. No. But his slick ass, mm-hmm. he, he knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He painted this picture of, oh, baby, I'm so fucked up. Let me dick you down a little bit so I can get into your head. Let me look into your eyes a little bit so I can get into your soul. And, oh, by the way, maybe if I had a car, me traveling back and forth a little bit would be a little bit easier. Right. This is a weak nigga. <laughs> this yes. nigga can't go out and hustle up some money on his own, and I'm not necessarily saying hustle up illegally, but however he does it, he can't go out and hustle up some money on his own, get his own money and get his own car. Mm-hmm. He can't at least put together a little bit of money so that way he could help her with him getting the car. Right. He just threw the entire 25000 on her. That right there is a weak nigga. But here's my problem with that. Okay, so you need a vehicle to get back and forth, even if I'm really all that wide open for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I got all this money. I can spend 5% of my money um, doing pointless shit. And so he's going to fall under pointless shit. Um, why the hell are you buying him a brand new car? <laughs> I mean, most people start off with a used car. Mm-hmm. You could just go to a lot, come up with a couple of Gs, and just buy it right off the lot. That's the type of car she should have got him. But she had got him like a brand-new Mustang. Wasn't it a Mustang? I was like, this is just, no. I was so, I was livid. I mean, I was loud in the living room, and my husband was just cracking up. I said, there is no way that you would have got that much money out of me, and we only been together for, <laughs> for like, three weeks. I mean, it just seemed like no time had passed. It, it could have even been two months. That's still not long enough for you to get anything from me, but, like, maybe a new tie, you know, some nice box. Like, what the hell? Okay, she should have she should, she drove his ass over to Elizabeth Avenue in Newark, Bought him one I don't of them eight hundred. That that's okay, but she could have bought him one of them eight hundred dollar cars, okay. and let him figure it out from there. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's where everybody else starts off. That's right. Yep. Now, here go the fucked up part. So she spent the twenty five thousand on the car, and right away, he's not. He's not calling to check on her. <laughs> He's not calling to thank her and kiss her ass, kiss her feet, take her out for a drive in a new car, or none of that. Nope. This motherfucker done disappeared <laughs> with, with, with the brand new car on top of that. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. women, I know this as a man, women like to build a motherfucker. They like to feel like, they took a mother. They took a man from nothing, and gave him all of this mm. life that he didn't have prior to them. And now, thanks really? to them, yeah, they they like a builder bear type of man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so she done fell into the first trap. She got him the car, but 
he disappeared on her. And she takes a ride over to the trailer to find out what the fuck is going on. And he got the nerves to have another woman in the trailer fucking her, but ignoring Melinda. Pretty good, too, from the whole palm against the window thing. I, I know that. Yeah, he, he was. He, <laughs> had, he had reserved that particular move <laughs> and that level of his dick. Mm-hmm. For somebody that might have been a little bit more deserving, see, mm. he he was giving Melinda just enough dick to make her ass do anything that he might have suggested mm-hmm. before the all star levels of his dick. He was reserving that for his best all star player. <laughs> I'm gonna touch back on that a little bit later in the movie, but I'm just trying to tell everybody the game is the game. All right, now, before Melinda goes over there, she calls him and, find, and, and, and she wants to find out, what's up? Why are you not calling me? Why are you not checking on me? And he just, he sounds guilty on the phone to begin with. He ain't that. Now, because the game is the game, I do give him credit for at least picking up the phone and attempting to act like everything was cool. Mm-hmm. But he didn't sound like everything was cool. He'd have been better off. Not answering. Not, right, not answering the phone hit her back the next day or something when he was alone and could talk like normal. Her dumb ass was going to fall for it anyway. Mm-hmm. He could have pulled that one on her, but he picked up the phone and figured her stupid ass ain't going to know I really got somebody over here, so let me just pick up and brush her off and get her off the phone. But he has not realized at this point in the movie that this is a crazy motherfucker that I'm dealing with. <laughs> so he will find out right away that she is crazy as hell. Because yes. what did she do when she saw them hands go up against that window? She, she ran her it. motherfucking car into that trailer. Yes, she did. And then she put it in reverse, and she put it back in drive and ran into that trailer again. Okay, now here, pause. There we go. You take it from here. I am pretty level-headed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really am. Um, When I get mad, it's more like so mad. It's not real mad. It takes a lot to get me mad. But when this was happening here, I was kind of wound up with her and, you know, because of the money. So, you know, everybody knows that's my hot spot. So, I was right there with her and was like, yeah, fuck them up. You know, like, fuck up the trailer. Yeah, not, I mean, but I was, I was thinking it wasn't going to be as bad as it ended up being. I thought she was just going to, like, make her presence be known, force his ass to come out so then she could deal with him. Now, in real life, that is not the way to go. I've said plenty of times here that I am not about confrontation, at least not that kind. And if in any way you embarrass me or disrespect me, you're likely to not see me again. But I'm not going to sit there and try to, you know, force you to give me what I'm supposed to get. So, I'm not saying an altercation or any type of interaction should have occurred, but point was, because it was a movie, I was like, okay, go ahead, grab into his little trailer, force his ass to come out butt butt naked, and, you know, tell him, what's up? But she went crazy, crazy. I mean, she ran into that shit like two, three times, 
the whole thing just topples over. <laughs> they're running out. And I'm thinking, there's something not right with Melinda. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know it now. <laughs> but I still didn't think it was as bad as it ended up being. I still didn't get that part. I thought she was like the crazy that men always talk about when they talk about women. You know, I used to not know that women could get some women, could get as crazy as Melinda did then. Then I, you know, started to be more exposed to um, other people's relationships and found that women do get very emotional and lose all logic and start to do stuff like key cars and slash tires and mm-hmm. all kinds tires. of things. On, on Fridays when you at open motherfucking bar and then you come out drunk and shit and you can't even pull the fuck off because yeah. you're sit flat. Yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. I actually heard of a guy that did something like that to a girlfriend of mine. So I know that men do it as well, but I had never had that exposure because I just, I don't ever get that mad. You know what I mean? Like I'm more likely to disappear on you if you piss me off. So I just couldn't understand, but Melinda showed me that women do get like that. Mm -hmm. So sadly, due to her psychotic episode, she injures herself more than she injured anybody else. Mm-hmm. She has a ruptured ovaries, and she has to get a hysterectomy at 21. Yeah. All right, so if she already does not have enough evidence that this bum-ass nigga that she's dealing with is not worth all of this shit, this right here should probably be the point where she's realizing, all right, I just fucked myself up. I can't have kids now. I already blew 25000 on him, and he didn't have the decency to ride me around in the car or call and check on me for the next 12 to 16, 18 months. He immediately disappeared and, and started fucking some other chick. Mm-hmm. And now I can't have kids. This should at least be the part where she walks away. But as women do when we fuck up, they want to know why. So no matter what we tell them, we know that as long as we dress it up pretty enough, they'll be right back to being all in with us. The game is the game. That's just how it goes. So they don't go like that over here. Well, you're married, so you're cool. Oh, yeah, I'm cool. So he talks his way right back in, and what does he do? He does what he does best. He starts going right right back into chipping away at the money. So he gives us some some sob story about not being able to afford his classes and he can't get a scholarship, and she pays for all of that. Based on the calculations, it looks like that was close to $75,000. Yep. He then asked her, to marry him. And as she's narrating the story, she says, I'm not sure what I was thinking, but everything was moving so fast then. Before I knew it, I was telling him, yes, I will, I will marry him. Mm-hmm. Her sisters tried to warn her, don't marry him. But as always, throughout the rest of this movie, she doesn't listen to anybody. She just goes ahead and marries him. 
So she marries him, and now he's eating all the way into the money. She started at 350000 and over the years, he drains her, and they end up at zero. I'm not going to put that all on him, but he, he contributed tremendously into the loss of that 350000 well, yeah, because he wasn't actually contributing to the income. So here's the thing that a lot of people don't get. I shouldn't say a lot of people, but many people don't understand how fluid money is, and we've talked about that, that on the show. I mean, like, you you have a dollar today. You can not have a dollar today. Like, anything can happen that will require you to use that dollar. So money is easily spent. You've always got to be finding ways to make money and also um, accrue some sort of interest on the money that you have. Otherwise, money that you have, you think you have, will always go because there's always going to be a situation you've got to pay for it. Um, just breathing, you know, seems to cost something. So if someone is not working or neither person is working, that money's just going to go. Like, where do you think is? I mean, where else is it going to go? It's going to leave. He didn't have a job, and mm-hmm. she was just going into this pot. I do think that was age and not um, having a support system that could teach her financial literacy, you know, to help her understand how money goes. One of the other things that really surprised me in this movie was that she being the youngest, she seemed to be the one that received the money. Or maybe it just wasn't expressed that anybody else got anything, but it was as if Melinda was the one that inherited what the mother had. Right. It seemed like she inherited everything. Yeah. And I was just really surprised by that. It, It didn't make sense to me that it wouldn't have been split amongst the sisters or at least the house was given to one of the sisters, just something, anything to make the other two daughters feel like they meant something too um, when it came to their future. So I was really surprised by that. But, yeah, she and, and neither of her sisters seemed to have prepared her for what to do with this money. Um, but, again, I don't place the blame on him for where her money went. Because to me, she was responsible for where her money went. What I have an issue with is just that he was just he was a like he was a user or a loser, but while at the same time he was also extremely intelligent. But I guess the best way to put it is he was just very selfish. And he she was, was a fool. Mm-hmm. She made the wrong investment into the wrong person. Yeah, true. If, if she was going to invest in anybody, she should have invested in herself. Yes. Actually, that was in my notes. Look at us. <laughs> All right. So now that the money's gone, she goes out to get a job. She even goes out to get two jobs. And he has no job. But he did get his degree. He did graduate. They're married now for some years, and now he tells her that, he can't get a job because he has a record from some shit that he did when he was 15 years old. Right. Shouldn't that have been disclosed to her a lot earlier? Yes. Yes. 
but art imitates life, and people normally do have skeletons in their closet that they will not reveal until they have no choice but to reveal those skeletons. Mm-hmm. Now, you said earlier that you felt like they were just rushing so fast and everything was happening right away. This could be a product of them rushing so fast. Yeah. If you are going to rush to the finish line, you are almost guaranteed to miss some shit. Mm-hmm. And it's no guarantee either that by going slow, you know, there are people who I know who have been married or together because marriage is not always the goal, but have been together happily together for a long time and they'll they'll profess that they everything happened so quickly they met and they were married within six months time something that I can't even envision for myself so I know it's possible but at the same time I think that that is a rare like it's so rare that that be the outcome of something that happens quickly um but it, it also you know there are people who spend a long time getting to know each other and still um, end up not lasting or being in a happy um, situation later. But I think it's important, what's more important than how long you take, it's what you're doing with that time. So to me, when you're dating, one of the things you said on the podcast um, a couple of episodes ago we were talking about um, why are you making him wait, and one of the things that you said to me that I didn't really follow up on was that all the, all the date should be about is just having a good time. But you know, part of me, I I always feel like you should be having a good time, and everything that you are doing, um, life is about enjoyment and and really taking advantage of it. But I think that the purpose of dating when you want more than just to go out, but you're looking for a future, the purpose there is to actually get to know the person and to right. be finding out enough information that helps you make a good decision about whether you should be continuing to go out. And so I think that even if you're only going to be together for um, or only going to be dating for a short amount of time before moving to the next level, whatever the case may be, that each time, each interaction should be feeding you some sort of knowledge and not that you should be testing the person, but you should definitely be paying attention. And if you see any signs, you know, like pay attention to the signs. I think that people want what they want so much that they're just like, oh, that's not really as bad as it seems or it's, this is going to get better. No, listen. If in the beginning a man is giving you his best, he's doing his very best, and if his best, you still see some shit you don't like and is like deal breakers for you, get out. Get out. Because if he is not giving you an impressive performance now, He's definitely not giving you an impressive performance after he gets the pussy. <laughs> no. So, you know, you've got to you've got to be wise here. You know, stop ignoring who these people are. Melinda showed him she doesn't deal very well in hard times. 
you know, under stress and confusion and, you know, disappointment, she gets emotionally imbalanced. And he was showing her all along, he even said, from the door, this is my life and nothing else seems to exist. And part of me sympathizes with that in a way because the life of a writer, (laughs) you pretty much block out everything and everybody when you write. It is like the only way to write, pretty much. Um, Because you see them you see the characters, you hear the characters, you're in there you're in that world and you don't want anything to intrude upon it. I get very ornery, irritable when people try to intrude upon that space. Um and if they do get me out of it, I can be very mad about it because it takes some time to get back into that perfect rhythm that I had. So I get you know, when you are focused on something um, that requires that type of focus, you really, you know, you have to give it all your attention. But here's the reality. I'm married. I have children. They deserve the best of me. So I'm also very disciplined about cutting off the amount of time that I spend in front of that screen so they can get me too and I can get them. And he didn't do that, though. He made no sacrifices to be with her. It seemed like the only thing they had was good sex when they had it. When they had it, so. Well, I didn't really see him giving her enough dick (laughs) to make her as stupid as she was all throughout this movie. For her to be... They never showed it, but she implied yeah, but that it was good. It still should have been some evidence yeah, yeah. that he had been giving her more than enough dick to make her be as dumb and as stupid as she has been throughout this yeah. point of the movie. Yeah, because she was never smiling. And good dick makes you smile. Good dick <laughs> should be making her bounce up and down <laughs> for no goddamn reason. Yeah. That's yeah. what good dick should be doing. That's what it should be doing. Good dick should have even suggested to her, hey, baby, <laughs> we got 350000 We can go ahead and blow maybe 100000 of that, but that remaining 250000 we need to make a couple of moves so we can bring in some more. Mm-hmm. That's what, well, that's what great dick would have done. Great dick, yeah. But you can't put great dick on a bum-ass motherfucker because... He's just a bum-ass motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So he already fed her the bullshit that he, he did something at 15, so now he can't get a job. But that's bullshit because he could have went out and been a garbage man. He could have worked at the local grocery store. Fast food is always hiring. He could have went and hollered at them. He could have went to the local airport, whatever. He could have did something to contribute to that household. But all he did was sit on his ass, and work his little battery shit and see if that was going to ever turn out to be something for him. The one and only plan that he did have at this point in the movie, though, we could mortgage the house. Mm, mm, mm. And then if we mortgage the house, we could pay for my shit, and then we could be good to go. Mm -hmm. Again, he got her doing everything. He has her 
sacrificing all of her money, and we are you and I already agreed we're not necessarily going to put that all on him. She's the fool for doing it. Mm-hmm. A person could ask for whatever they want to ask for. It's up to you to say no. Mm-hmm. She yep. never told him no. She always told him yes. One of the most powerful words that a man could ever tell a woman and a, a woman could ever tell a man is no. And then just sit back and watch how they how they adjust their lives at that point. I bet you they could go make it happen then. Now that they know that you're not going to make it happen for them, I bet you that person will get up off their ass and all of a sudden go make it happen. Or they just find somebody else who, who will do it. Well, let's see what he does. <laughs> so now at this point in the movie, two decades went by. Mm-hmm. He has his degree, yeah. He does have his degree, but two decades have gone by now. He fed her some bullshit and got her thinking that over these two decades, he have, he has had some jobs. He has been working, but he's not making any real money, so he can't even afford to pay for the utilities. That's bullshit. Right. And he could feed that bullshit to her because her dumbass don't know any better, clearly. But any any adult with some type of sense, no. Even if you work a minimum wage, you go get two of those jobs and contribute to this motherfucking house. We married. You ain't about to put all of these bills on me. Either you go or I go or we both go. But one way or the other, you better be bringing in something. But not him, though. He know he got him a fool. He just fed her the bullshit and she going with it. And she's out there working hard, busting her ass. And this is why I say that he wasn't laying the quantities of dick that he should have been laying. (laughs) He wasn't waking her up with dick. He wasn't meeting her at the door when she got home from work with dick. Nothing. He was just letting her wake up and go. And she come back. And he was pretty much ignoring her ass. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why she should be this fucking stupid. Unless she's crazy, deranged, and she's just happy to have somebody to, to to love her and kiss her on the fucking cheek and send her on her way every now and then. Just happy to be with someone. Um, the thing is, her self-esteem at this point has taken such a beating. The only thing that she seems strong at is being emotional when something happens like that everybody's afraid of her going into that place but that seems to be the only time that she has that appearance of strength and that's not truly strength either but it's the only time that she seems to be strong quote-unquote strong every other time in the movie she's like a mouse you know she just does what she got to do for him and you know like she comes in the house and he got all his wires hooked up to her, you know, her breaker. And, you know, she just watches shit happen, you know, like everything just get blown up. Mm-hmm. And so here's my thing, you know, two adult people won't treat each other like children. If my husband is doing something that I don't like, you know, unless it is harmful, I really 
don't have nothing to say. You know, I may ask him, well, what are you doing? Because I may be confused by what his choice is. But, you know, he's not a kid. I'm not his mother. So that's not my job. But if he's doing something that's going to cause damage to our property or possibly hurt us, stay the fuck up and say, stop this shit right now because this ain't your house. This is my mama's house that she left me. Mm-hmm. And you may be my husband, but she left this house to me. You don't know nothing about me and my mama. <laughs> That's that. I mean, I'm just saying. I would be very protective of the house that I grew up in, just the gift that my mother gave me. That's how – I think that was what really made me upset about the money was it was an inheritance from somebody who died, someone that loved you enough and thought enough of you to secure a future for you. And you spent it on a dick, a dick that wasn't willing to give back to you at all in any kind of way, not feed you anything. Like if the movie had at least shown her supporting his dreams and in turn when he was done at 7 p.m., he would come in and rub her scowls and tell her how beautiful she was and they play games and they laugh and watch movies and like he, you know, picked up, you know, some temporary shifts here. Anything to show that he was a man in her life and contributing to her life, anything would have made me less angry about the money. But he did none of that. He just took, 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 and she just allowed it to happen. I believe her self-esteem was so low that it didn't matter that he wasn't providing her with physical pleasure or love, physical love. He, it didn't matter. He was just there. And at that point, she was willing to go through the everyday, getting up, going to work, going a couple jobs, just to try to hold everything together and not get anything from him, which is really sad. But the reality is many people do that, not necessarily in these extreme of circumstances, but they're just kind of going through life. And they're with people who are their life partners that all they're doing is tolerating each other, but they're not living with each other. Big difference. Yeah, very big difference. All right, so now shit has gotten so bad that the sisters come over to the house. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to paraphrase this part a little bit, but what they tell him is, go get a job, you bitch-ass nigga. (laughs) Matter of fact, you're going to come work with us now. And as soon as they leave the house, what does he do? He cries to his wife, and and he tells her, you didn't defend me. Right. He's weak. Mm-hmm. And what weak men do, they rely on women to defend them for being a weak motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And she falls for it and she feel bad for him, but the sisters ain't beat for that shit. You're going to come work now. Now you're going to come get up off your ass. And you're going to help out some kind of way because we sat back and watched you for over two decades now just drain my, my sister and drain all of the life out of her. The house is in danger of being repossessed. 
she don't have any of the money that was left to her anymore. In fact, you drained her so badly that now she's in a negative. She's in a red. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you should be sitting home while she go out there to make the money. So let's see where we are at this point. He um he has to perform, he has to do a delivery or make sure that these deliveries happen on time in order for, is this where we're at? In mm-hmm. order for the sisters and their husband's company to get the money that's going to help the house stay out of foreclosure. And the only thing he needs to do is to make these deliveries on time. But see, what's simultaneously happening while this is happening is he's also, cause, and I don't know if I'm, I'm misstepping here, he's also starting to have communication with, um, I'll just say, a top executive at a company he's been trying to get his um his battery into for you know a sale or some sort of deal right and it just so happens that that you know top executive or whatever is the woman who had her hand pressed against the mm-hmm. glass mm-hmm. in the trailer whom seems to be um taken with the um footage that he presented to show his um his research and success with his um his battery. So now, you know, at the same time that this foreclosure is happening, he seems to be making some kind of headway with the company kind of unknowingly through this ex lover that he actually cheated on his before she became his wife with. So so, Did I do okay there? Right. You got us right where we need to be. And now I want to remind the listeners that he has laid residual dick into this woman. And his residual dick has paid off to the point where she's now negotiating to get him the opportunity to have the interview. Mm. He didn't give his wife that type of dick because she <laughs> didn't create shit. Matter of fact, she lost every motherfucking thing fucking with him. However, this other woman that he had given the all-star dick to because she was his all-star player, she rewarded him tremendously with the opportunity that his whole life had been waiting for for the past two-plus decades. So he goes to the interview. He shows them his battery. He tells them all the functions and how it's going to be so groundbreaking that there's nothing like this in the world, and they lowball them, as companies do. That's how business go. Right. That first offer is going to be a lowball offer. Mm-hmm. You said earlier that he seems to have some type of intelligence, and he showed that because they made him an offer for 800000 and I guess he figured, my broke ass ain't never had nothing. I could go about another 20, 30, 40 years being broke. But that 800000 don't seem like the type of number that I need to accept in order to come up off of my shit. When I saw the movie when it came out last year, I thought that that was brilliant of him. Because if they were willing to offer him 800000 right out the gate, 
and he knows how many years he spent mastering this particular battery, he has to know that that 800000 probably isn't even half of what this battery is really worth. Mm-hmm. And we can't overlook the fact that they're the ones that's in power. He doesn't have and he doesn't have much to bring to this interview. So they they're looking at him and they're calculating he's not worth eight hundred thousand. So we throw him eight hundred thousand, he's gonna accept it, no question about it. Mm-hmm. So I applaud him for having the foresight to say no at this particular deal and, and walk away and say, I guess I'll just figure this out some other way or I'll just be broke forever, but I ain't I ain't about to sell this to y'all for eight hundred thousand. What did you think about that moment? I well, I was impressed, but again, he was an electrical engineer. Um, he has he had to use his brain a lot, and I'm sure he did like anybody should do um, their research. So I'm sure he knew what this could do for an industry and what type of money it could yield. Um, so I was impressed, but I wasn't surprised just because that's what you're supposed to do in any type of deal. Even, even at, at the basic level of going on a job interview, you should know what a company is about. You should know, um, what that company makes. You should understand the different jobs and what you could potentially make in different jobs so that no one can take advantage of you. Um, and you and you know what your worth is, so you should be willing to sacrifice some things if you're able. You know, sometimes you're not in a position to to do anything but say yes. But I was, um, yeah, I was impressed with with that, mm-hmm. but not surprised. <laughs> All right, so we pretty much reached the halfway point of the movie at this point. Mm-hmm. We're gonna end part one of this season finale right here. And we'll be back to close out the rest of the movie and give you part two of this season finale next week. So um, thanks for tuning in to The Universe is Talking. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and please, please share each episode with your friends. Um, We'll see you next week.